Welcome to All Villa, No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. Remember to subscribe to our show. Every preseason game has been played. Villa won three and drew three of six games. There were some impressive performances and new tactics on display. So to talk all about that and more, we're joined by Daniel Pritchard. He's a data specialist who covers football tactics and he's got good taste as well because he's also an Aston Villa fan with pre-season games now finished. Uh, what did you actually make of Unai Emery's tactical approach in pre-season at large? It's almost a refinement of what we were starting to do to do last season. It was a lot of um, obviously working on that playing out the back in possession, that early build-up build phases and you can see how we focused on that even in the transfer market with bringing Tielemans in, who's known more as a deep, a deep creator, uh, bringing in Paul, Paul Torres. So these seems to be the attributes that Unai Emery's wanted to, wanted to add to. And what we were, what I thought we were looking to do in the scene last season was, uh, Something quite similar to what Deserve is Bright Brighton do. We're looking to draw teams teams onto us to create space further down further down the field. And what I saw in preseason was just a bit more of a refine refinement into that. Um you, we saw quite often we were in a bit more of a fixed three two three two format formation with one of the four fullbacks pushing up during an early build-up. And what that see what that seemed to do was to allow allow the two centre backs to move even even wider. And we seem to be looking to play the balls into the two three eights, the two number tens, uh, you know, McGinn, Buen, Buendia, like uh, occasionally someone like Felagine Bades or or Diaby. Um and what I found personally quite interesting about that, it's actually not too dissimilar to something that Gerard was trying to do with us, albeit in a much worse way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I actually thought that myself sometimes when watching the fullbacks bombing on as high as they were. I did kind of think back to Gerard trying that, I think, in a game against Newcastle that we lost 1-0, I think, Kieran Trippier scored. And it was... Maybe it was a year and a half ago now, but I remember that game, that trying that, and it just—I don't know—the structure just wasn't right for it to actually work. Um, but what what do you think in particular um, has noticeably evolved in preseason? You know, in the summer series or Lazio Valencia um, from last season's approach? Like, was there any specific position you thought things looked quite different? Um, there's no particular position that I felt was entire was entirely change outside of um I guess we'll probably get get to the beginning of I think it was the Lazio game where we actually built up for our right hand right hand side rather than the usual situation where we built built up from our left. Um what I did find find interesting though was the introduction of Diaby not as the right winger like I certainly expected that. I think I probably wasn't alone that but as the Second strike, strike, and how that then adjusted Ollie Watkins' role. I felt dur during the times where it was with Diaby, it was a bit more of a an equal part 
partnership occasionally Diaby seemed to drop into the right half, half space and link link play but it seemed like Watkins was doing that perhaps a bit more than he was under Una under under Unai Emery last season yeah see seems like he's doing doing that a bit more a bit more than when he pairs with McGinn, for example, who's almost always going to drop back in, look to link play. And, uh, you know, so which players really impressed you the most, would you say, uh, during this preseason? There's been a few strong performers, I think. You know, I think, you know, one or two that look like they could be on course to have a really elite season, I think, if, if anything's to go by suggesting how they performed last season and how they're looking in preseason. But is there anyone to you who really stood out? Well... I think the the first obvious answer out of the youth setup is Jaden Philogene. He just has a lot of the aspects that I think Unari Emery was originally looking for in Nico Williams. He, if you take take a look at his out, output at Cardiff, obviously Cardiff didn't have a particularly great season, but the things he really stood out for were getting getting lots of shots off, albeit in the poor side. These were not. The highest quality quality shots. Um, he did. He managed loads of take ons at quite a quite a good percentage. Really good one v one. But the other thing he did really well, and that I think will impress Emery the most, he was very dedicated. A very dedicated defender, and we've kind of seen that in pre season where he's or, or, almost playing a bit fur, further back sometimes than than the. Uh, of a winger, almost as a right wing back, or or, left, or occasionally a left left wing back, and I think that is now now that it seems like he's staying, it's another tool in Unai Emery's belt to problem solve when he see when he comes up against an opposition and kind of thinks he might need someone with with pace who can do one v ones, but can also add that defensive defensive commitment as well. Um, but in terms of other players, there are a couple that I've not seen mentioned as much on Twitter, but those being um, Emmy Emmy Wendier and Esri Konza. Buendia, I think, especially with the Diaby coming in and seemingly playing alongside Watkins, I think we saw in particular against Lazio, there's so much space in that front line that it's going to create space in between them for someone like Buendia who who likes to drop him from it from the left hand side, pick up the ball, ball either from a progressive pass from the centre backs or, or from the midfield fielders. And I I think he's someone who with those especially with those runners ahead of him and who has that quality to pick pick out a pass. Is someone I can see getting a lot of game time, especially on that left-hand side. Um, he's always been tenacious def- defensively, and I, that that is just another thing that Unai Emery, I think, will want. He will want his side to be secu- secure, to concede less goals than perhaps we have in pre-season. Uh, with Conza, I, I do think this three at the back suits him, uh, especially when he's got Two great ball players like Luis or Kamara ahead of him. Sometimes he might he might be in the middle. Sometimes he might be out of the right centre back position. But particularly on those outside centre back positions, I think 
Unaimaru really wants to uh, use those positions to play progressive classes into the the ten, the three eights or tens, however we want to call call them. And you can see that in the way he is instructing Louise and whoever par- partners him, Kamara, Kamara or Tielemans. Uh, you can see them actually moving together really, really narrow, narrowly, and that's it's number one the complete opposite of what Gerard did with his aides, which was to move them out wide to cover the the fullbacks. But uh, what that al- allows the outside centre backs to do is it al- allows them a clearer vision of the pit. The Central midfield coming in is there to m- move a marker out the way, potentially unlocking a path passing lane into Amagin or Buendir, who's trying to find the space to pick up the ball between the lines. And that's really where we're going to see this, these kind of counter-attacking light transitions from settled possession, much like you see in a Deserby team. And, you know, you mentioned the back three there, uh, you know, when we're in possession. Um, I, I, I sort of felt, that felt to me like a new innovation really I don't really recall watching Villa do that so often last season maybe I wasn't observant enough but uh, it felt much more explicit I think particularly in the summer series uh, with the fullback bombing on and then you know the Villa defence going into a three and suddenly the signing of Pau Torres made a load of sense because before I thought oh what does that mean for Mings what does it mean for Constant instead actually it was like oh so if he can play you know as a full as an auxiliary fullback left back I guess and then he can come across into the three or Consta plays outright and he comes across into the three and Torres is one of the centre-backs. Suddenly, it all made sense then to me in my head. I was like, that's why I wanted that signing. Um, but, you know, what what do you make of that back three overall? I, I think, yeah, I I think you're right there. It's uh, uh, There was definitely an element of that last season, especially when Young was uh, what, one of the three, but it was definitely a bit more... A bit more the case that it was two centre backs and a full back staying back, and we kind of saw that that kind of flat back four out of possession and the kind of back three with a full back holding back a bit more in the last preseason game against Valencia when we had both Cash and Dinya playing, mm. um, and that looked a bit more like it did last season. But I think you're right, and when we started cut. Carlos, um, who I believe played in the middle of the three, and when we played Paul Torres, who again was some, yeah, it, I agree with you there, is someone that I was like, well, he certainly has the attributes for an Emery side, but how are we actually going to fit him in without losing the leadership and you know defend, defensive aerial ability of, of Tyrone Minks? So all of a sudden that made perfect sense. And it, it looked more, much more like an explicit back three, like you say, and I think. This may have been what yeah, Emery was working toward, working towards from the beginning. It's something he uh, was a fan of at Villarreal, and he's used back for situational back threes throughout his career. So making that more ex- more explicit, adding more one v one defensive ability on the pitch. It you know you you only have to look at Pep Guardiola's Man City to see how important the one. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, he uses four four centre backs. You know, just two of them nominally in, in right and left back positions. You only have to look at Manchester City to see how important that one v one ability is when you're pushing to that top end of the Premier League. And that's it. That sort of one on one 
ability. You know, with Villa's fullbacks, I think Alex Moreno would be the natural fullback you'd think would be the one who bombs on and pushes into that final third when we're in possession. He showed he could do it last season. He's a, he's a real canny signing, I think. Um, and But, you know, he's injured. Uh, for a, We don't quite know when he's coming back yet. It might not be till September time. Um, so, do you, you know, Matty Cash, he got a goal, uh, assist, play, you know, created quite a bit in the final third. He's a, he's a player I've not always been too confident about when he gets into the final third. Um, but do you think he can play in that sort of more um, progressive fullback role, I guess, where he will be required to do a bit more in the final third than maybe he was last season? Matty Cash is also a player I I do have some question marks as, as well. He seems to be quite a, I would call him quite a proficient overlapping centre-back, but that's not that's not necessarily what he's having to do in a you know Embry system. Um so that kind of getting into the fa- final third and getting shots off. We've all seen how his crosses and sometimes his shot can end up at the corner flag, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I think for Cash, is it something he has in his locker? Yeah, I, I think so. Is it something that he's going to be able to do consistently? And consistently enough for where Villa want to be is uh, a question mark that he'll have to answer himself during the season. Um, uh, and you know we have been we've been linked linked to right right backs. I I'm sure Cash has seen seen that and probably thinks to himself, uh, my place might be under under threat here. Um, so I I would hope that that kind of pushes pushes him further to kind of make that next next step like a lot of the other players have under Unai Emery. As for his performances in pre-season, I, I, I was there at Leipzig when we were promoted to the Premier, Premier League and I, I think Gerard, Gerard won every single pre-season ma- match he made. You, you can tell a lot about what a team wants to do, but not necessarily how well they're going to execute that and I think that goes for play, players as well. I wouldn't take performances in pre-season, pre-season as too indicative of what they're going to look like on the pitch on match week one. Mm, uh, yeah, it's a very good point because there is a long and storied history of, of teams doing very well in pre-season and then turning up on the first day of the Premier League and getting battered. Um, the, the example I always go back to is Tottenham. I think it might have been under either Juan de Ramos or Martin Yol, where I think they won like eight in a row in pre-season and the fans are obviously feeling, you know, so elated, thinking it was all going to go out and be sunshine and roses. And then within, I don't think they won a game uh, until October, uh, manager sacked. And, you know, so it can, yeah, as you say, you know, pre-season can sometimes be a bit of a false dawn for a lot of teams. But, um, you know, uh, another player who um, featured uh, heavily was our new signing pal, Torres. He uh, played at left back on a, on a couple of occasions. I think one on one occasion he played well, and I think against uh, Valencia didn't quite look so comfortable when Villa were defending. I thought. Um, what did you uh, make of him at left back? And do you think it's a role that he can fit into this season? Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Certainly, against Valencia, against against straight line pace, he did look a. He looked a little bit uncomfortable, and you know, for someone of his quality, he's been linked with a lot of big clubs. He certainly has the 
on-ball technical ability to be playing playing this role. Uh, and defensively, he's, he's always been the weaker part, partner in, in the defensive partnerships he's been in. Uh, he's a centre-back very much used for his on-ball ability rather than his, his off-ball. In that instance, I actually feel like him being out at left-back somewhat protects him, mm. uh, especially especially the, in the Premier League where the game is more physical, you more regularly come come up against elite level op- opposition. We have, I hesitate to call Tottenham elite level opposition, but in terms of the fin- <laughs> the financials and who they actually actually have in their front line, it's it's a difficult a- ask for a for a cent- centre back in the Premier League, even when you're even when you're talking about teams in the bo- bottom half, they'll have someone that can cause what. Gerard might might call a moment of magic. So, I I certainly feel that it will require some adjustment. But if I don't think Unai Emery would have brought him in and be trialing him into this role if he if he didn't think he could do it. And you know that's one as a Villa fan, I think Emery's uh, earned the right to try try what he wants without without too much questioning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that pleased me with Torres was um, just his ball distribution. You know, I think we all know that's what he was brought in for, but it, some of the passing that he was doing was just, you know, I could see him playing as a CDM if he ever had to, you know. He's just got such lovely distribution. And at times, there were these really low, pacey passes. He was hitting straight into a striker that was coming in to take it to feet bypassing the midfield and and at times it's came off very nicely in one or two of the summer series games. So I'd be interested if that is something that develops over the season. Um but was you know was there anywhere that you kind of thought Villa looked particularly strong um in the games you've seen? Um I I certainly felt that the playing playing out the back considering how nervous Villa Park was the few times I went there before um before before we had really settled it into it, that it just looks so crisp. They look so calm un- under pressure. And again, it's it's preseason. There's a there's less pressure in in these games than there will will be. But you know, we looked very calm under pressure at the end end of last season, and that looks looks to have stepped up to the ne- next level. Unai Emery's had his first full preseason there. He would have been drilling these players day day in day out with. How they're planning to build up, what structures they're using, where the other players are go- going to be, and by Christmas, the- these things will be so ingrained they probably won't even have to look. That aspect to me looked particularly impre- impressive. What else stood out to me was just when when we weren't able to get those transition moments from from possession. Maybe this is again another performance aspect of preseason, but I certainly felt that Villa were able to work the triangles and what. Wide areas with with McGinn and Buendia, one one of the wide players like like Dinia and strikers like Watkins. Those triangles to me looked far crisper. There was far more movement than than I think we were seeing when when Emery first came came in. And I think what Emery was probably thinking about about as soon as we finished in the Conference League positions was that teams are probably going to sit off against us now. 
this is something that happens to almost every team that hit, hits Europe, Europe and quite often they fail to adapt adapt to teams sitting off them. West Ham, I think, dropped off in large part because, because of David Moyes. It's a classic David Moyes pattern that they get to the, this stage and then struggle to break teams down that are sitting in a low block. Uh, Wolves and uh, under Nuno just could not break that seventh position position because they couldn't week in week out take apart take apart low, low box. And I f- I think certainly that's what Diaby has been adding to do. He has a lot of close control. He's very good one v one. One thing Villa did lack last season was just shots. Uh, our only real shot getter was Ollie Watkins, and he is someone that adds another two three shots a game and that's just quite important if you don't shoot you don't you don't score and yeah the, these kind of wide areas and adding shots into our game i expect filler to be maybe a little bit more open next mm. se- next season uh villa's game villa's games last season typically ended with under 10 shots for both both sides and i think coming up again against the low block you're going to Sooner or later, you're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to put more than five five players in into your attack, your attacking formation. You, we saw in preseason how far the centre backs were willing to step up. It was all they were almost in the opposition's fi- final third, and we, that comes with ri- risks. But yeah, I think we have the quality to to deal with that, and I think we could be one to watch for the neutral next year. All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think, you know, you mentioned the low block. I think an informative game for Emery might have been uh, Wolves when we lost 1-0. I remember Wolves sitting very deep, a lot of people in defence, and we just didn't really get a shot away. And um, I think a game like that might have been one that was informative for him to be like, more teams are going to do that to Villa this season. Um, and so we've got to figure out a way to score past them, basically. Um, so hopefully, you know, I, yeah, there were just a lot of innovative triangles I thought I saw um, pushing forward. And I think McGinn seemed to get into that role quite naturally. I think he, I think he played very well doing that. So um, I, I wouldn't. McGinn be is, yeah, McGinn is another player I've been very, very impressed by under under Emery. Like his big problem under Smith, Smith and Gerard, I felt was almost that. A bit of the Ming's problem. He every time he got on the ball, he was trying to do something, and he would just wouldn't play these simple kind of pass passes, which are essential when you're you're trying to keep possession. Hmm. But he still ha- still has that eye for a spectacular pass, a spectacular goal, even. But just under Emery, he seems to have just calmed down a little bit and really, really like found his place in the side. I know this is off topic, but how how bad the Wolves look in terms of their summer biz- business? So really, do worry for them. Yeah, completely. Not they're, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, they're. Um, I think every season or every uh, every couple of years, there's a team that sort of just sells and doesn't buy. Leicester did it last year. Villa did it a few years ago. You know, uh, Stoke. I remember Southampton did it last year as well. Uh, you know, they, they just don't quite replace the talismanic players they lose and 
suddenly it becomes a real problem for them. I, yeah, I think Wolves would be one to uh, not watch for the neutral this season. <laughs> um, they, they were never one to watch for the neutral anyway. <laughs> no, 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 they weren't. Um, uh, but, uh, you know... Um, Villa, you know, we made a, we made a few big signings. Yuri Tielemans, Patsores, Musa Diaby, um, and who knows, maybe there could be one or two more to come in. Uh, what have you made of Villa's signing so far? They've all they've all been sensible, um, which is not something I thought about Villa's summer transfer business for for quite some time. Quite some time, actually. Um, Villa's general approach from the top down has been to give give the manager what what they want what they feel they need to succeed succeed with um which under Gerard may have been a mistake I think Villa's business now probably dep- depends on how the conference league playoff game games go and hope you know that's just been announced today that we may be having a begin derby which will be certainly be quite fun but so far, they're they're really quite sensible. They're sensible price. They're sensible prices for the talent level we're getting, and there's there are minor concerns in all in all of them. Uh, all three, I think, are known for how they how they play in possession, but have some weaknesses or shortfalling or shortfalls out, out of possession. Uh, Diaby at Leverkusen was a definitely accused of not tra- tracking back. And that might be why we're seeing him in the second striker position as opposed to the right wing. Uh, we already talked about Pat, Pat Torres and the same could be said of Tielemans not being the most mo- mobile player. But with the transfer market being what it is and talking about Eddie, Eddie Howe and Talent ID, Newcastle paid you know, £60 million for Tolini. Uh, Manchester United have paid similar for Mason Mount. I think both of them have paid those those kind of big prices for what those players bring out of possession as well as what they bring in in possession. And I think we we may be finding almost a bit of a market inefficiency in finding players that whose in in possession value in possession value is being yeah well undervalued by the market at large, and that's why we've been able to get a pat. Paul Torres, who's been linked with Champions League clubs, uh, and we managed to get him for something like twenty million under what his release course was supposed supposed to be. You know, there was a bit of, you know, there was a week of heckling with Leverkusen over the Musa Diaby, and like it came nowhere near to that fifty million price tag that may that was originally quoted. In part, I think because other sides are very very focused how they are out out of possession and. Unai Emery is not a manager to forget the out of possession phase of play, but I think when you have a manager who has historically done so so well at creating a solid def- defensive structure and improving players out of possession, you can almost take a bit more of a risk on these players, betting that Unai Emery is going to get something a bit more something a bit more out of them, or find some way to mitigate those weak those weaknesses. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, Coutinho, uh, big name at Aston Villa, uh, is a player who somewhat divides opinion. Uh, you know, some would say keep, some would say sell. What do you make of him? 
on the keep or sell question, I think it's a case that, you know, no, no matter what you think of his abilities, and it's very clear in this in these preseason games that his technical quality is second to none in, in our squad. Uh, the questions are really about physicality and perhaps men mentality. Does it suit the Unai Emery way? Um, so I think if someone comes along and offers to take that quite large wage off off your books, you'd be you'd be quite silly not to not to take them up on that offer, regardless of how you feel about his technical quality. But as a player, he's very much I find him to be the encapsulation of this Steven Gerrard moments of magic mindset. And he produced two what I felt were very different performances uh, first against Lazio and then what I felt was a much better one against uh, against Valencia. And I'll kind of go, go into that a bit because I, you know, seen on Twitter, Coutinho was right, I think quite rightly getting praise for his te technical quality and he got a si an assist against Lazio. But I was certainly seeing things that I think you know, I am read with a blog term for... Mm, I, I I'm not sure this guy fit, fits my way, and one you know uh, there's one particular example. Coutinho he wants to be wants to be on the ball, and it feels like since he moved to Bar Barcelona in what was it you know, late 2017, uh, 2018, no one's taken him aside and actually for I'm going to coach this player he's still playing like it's mid 2016 and he's the main man the no number 10 it's just it's not how it's not the direction football football's gone in we've moved e even more into uh pos possessional structures and uh especially in in the premier league we've even the Teams at the bo bottom are, you know, Guardiola, ins Guardiola inspired. There's no no one that really plays long ball fo football, uh, as it were, anymore. So I, I can provide an example against Lazio. The, there was one moment where continue, you, we're, we're playing out the back it, it, and we can do it quite slow, quite lethargically to draw the opposition onto us. Seemed like Coutinho may, may have got frustrated with that. I just wanted to be on the ball. So drop, dropped from that left wing position that they was in, al almost level with Louise and Tielemans. But that massively effect then affected the, the build-up structure. All of a sudden, Louise and Tielemans, who are trying to keep very narrow to allow those channels into players like Coutinho, who should be holding their posi position up in the final third, uh, all of a sudden, that opportunity has gone. You've got a free down there. They have to shuffle across, and that's bl blocking path passing lanes. And then all of all of a sudden, you know, Paul Cameron Archer suddenly has to drop down into what was Coutinho's position to to hold and to find find space in. Uh, ends up receiving the ball, surrounded by two or three players with are completely on an island. There's no one there to. To help him, and inevitably we lose lose possession in that phrase. And there was a number of instances against Lazio where I felt the freedom that the three eight role uh, 
Virginia Emery creates on the left wing was it was taken almost a bit too far. It started affecting uh, the possession of others, the, stru- the structure that we want to keep, want to keep to you know, win the ball back quite high up. Um, and but that was almost completely contrasted by by the performance against Valencia, where he, you know I've long said if you want to get the best out of Coutinho, I think you need to play him as a second stri- striker because of this tendency to to drift round and you know not necessarily be the most robust def- defensively and physically anymore. And in by playing him next to Watkins, it almost it limited his freedom a little bit. He had to step he he had to stay up to play in that position. He had to stay in the final third, wait for the ball and wait for the ball. And I thought it was a much better perfor- performance where he was able to link with able to link with McGinn and Diar- Diaby in that right right half space and but link with, you know, Philogene and create these triangles in the corner and you know in, in the end he gets the assist for for Buendia who what was on the the left wing and that was a much more assured performance than one where you think maybe there's something in, in this guy maybe Ernie can get something out of him is he a player I would trust to play more than 60 minutes uh no not <laughs> not really but and I do think if someone comes along and offers to take that big wage off your hands, you, you'd be silly to t- not to take it. But is there something there under under Emery? The last match against Valencia would say, yeah, yeah, I think there is. Okay, yeah, I think the Valencia game might have been kind of reflective of what games might be like in Europe and kind of suggestive of what Coutinho could do in the Conference League. Um, I don't think it'd be too reflective of the Premier League where there's bit more bit less time and I, I I think the conclusion I came to on our podcast was um I'd, I'd, I'd sell um but with the caveat that I'm very happy to be proven very wrong about that if he does stay around um but one player who might not be sticking around is Aaron Ramsey he's been linked to Burnley for 12 million pounds uh what are your thoughts on that um I think it seems especially with the rumor buyback clause that to me seems like a a good deal for everyone involved. I'm surprised there's been as much opposition to it online as 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 I've certainly seen. Um, you know, I think people are talking about 12 million being a low price for a young, talented play, player, but he's also a player that has only played 29 games at cha- championship level. It's not a lot of games to go by, go by and say this guy is going to be the next big thing, despite the fact that you know at, at Middlesbrough and during those twenty nine games, he, his statistical output actually put me in mind of Todd Cantwell uh, circa twenty twenty at the at the same level, a, a much younger age, someone who I think is ready, for, despite the lack of games, is ready for the step up. But I don't think that opportunity is there at Villa at the mo- moment. He, he'd have to get past, especially in that favoured three eight on the left, on the left side role. Uh, he'd have to get past his own brother. He'd have to get past. You know, we just talked about Coutinho. If he, if he stops, who 
who likes to play there. Uh, Buendia, I think, will get a lot of game time there. Jaden Villagine has seems to be stopping around now, and I think Winger there. There's a lot. We've got a lot of talent that plays there primarily, and that's before you start including potentially players like Doug, Douglas Weiss or Yuri Tielemans, who could, I think, could thrive in that free free eight role. There's a lot of competition for that spot, and I don't think Aaron Ramsey is going to get the game time to develop at Villa. Um, the difference between this and a lo- loan is while we have no control, another club can come in and say, no, we we want, you know, a, a Man City could, could come in after a season and say, no, he's going to be our next big, big player. And we have no say, say over that. Um, but we also have no say on how a player develops on a loan. Low move, um, you know, you know, Kate, uh, Kane Hesler Caden's a great example of someone who we sent we sent out as a right back to probably get a bit more defensive now. But the teams that are getting these players on loan, they're not looking to develop a player for Aston Villa. They they need to win now, and so you know he was played played quite often as a right wing back, which was not what Villa would have ideally wanted um, and just continue to maximise his strengths and he, you know, he's now back out on loan at Plymouth after having a not particularly great time at Huddersfield and then returning to Villa and not doing anything much of note for the last six months. Um, So I would say we have very little control over the player's Eventual, de- you know, eventual destination. Anyway, why not take twelve million of pure profit for for FFP? Um, and if there if there is some reasonable buyback cause, is someone you can look at. If say, but when Deer is when Deer is moving on, he's not. I wouldn't call him a similar player to when but in contrast to to his bro- brother, who is quite a drib- dribbly player, he does a lot of one v one to carry carries the ball forward a lot. Uh, Aaron is a much more of a pa- much more of a passer in terms of his output. Actually, his one v ones are quite even at championship level were not particular particularly great. What he's got a lot of are things like progressive pass passes. He impacts the box of what he was getting uh an expected goal goal or assist every 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 other game every other game and you know with no numbers with numbers like that you'd expect him to you know not necessarily get a goal or assist every, every game but there'll be a game where he score gets an assist or scores a brace or that sort of player is is quite quite valuable quite valuable if they can contribute to the progression and build up, but then also crash crash into the box. Um, so he's someone with a lot of lot of potential, but with a buyback clause, I don't see I don't see the the issue of him going to develop at a 
another club, a very possession-based side under Vincent Company, and potentially coming back in a few years. Yeah, we don't have control of it, but yeah, how much control do you have with it? If, mm. if that's the direction you wanted to go in. Yeah, I think I think I agree with that exactly what you've said about that. Um, you know, but you know, the Villa's first game of the season or Premier League season is just a few days away now. Um, when you look at the squad, how do you feel about it? And do you think it still needs a bit bit of strengthening in any particular role? I think there's always more strengthening you can do to any any squad. Um I think you can have the best squad squad in the league and still look at one or two positions and go, mm, could could we do better? Could we add more depth? Um so I, I would say I'm I'm quite happy with the squad. There's two spots in particular where there's a noticeable drop off in terms of the depth, that being, you know, the goal the goalkeeper situation with Robin Olsen not necessarily being the best suited to play playing out the back. And then, then you know, as much as I think Cameron, Ar- Cameron Archer has a lot, lot of pot- potential, he's not someone I would be all that confident yet of being able to take Ollie Watkins' place should Ollie Watkins get a lot, long-term injury. But I think the ca- it's the case now where Yes, we may may not have spent a lot of our transfer budget, but we've we've, we've added three quite bigger earners to to our wage bill now in F, FFP terms. We prob you know it's probably sensible now to wait and see how the market plays out and see if there might be any good deals that come up come up. I've you know I've See, seen recently that Villa have been linked to a number of young Spanish right, right backs, and presumably Emery and Monchi have a, a big list of prom, promising Spanish Spanish full, fullbacks. But is that something we need to address this this summer? Um, I think if the right deal comes up, brilliant. If if not, then the squad. As, as it is, I think is a good shape, and you don't want to risk adding too many new players and upsetting what was working last season. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I think for me, it's um, if Watkins or Emmy Martinez gets injured for any prolonged spell, I think that's where I'll be worried it could really cost Villa in substantially. Um, I, I like. I think Arch has got real talent and potential. I think we just have to be patient with him, um, but I think he's shown enough already that he, you know, he's somebody who can, you know, uh, worry Premier League defenses. And I think that when he gets his first goal, I keep comparing it to Jacob Ramsey when he got his first goal for Villa uh, against Arsenal. We lost three one, but it was a screamer top corner, and it just felt like from there Archer been thre- or Ramsey been threatening to go to a higher level. But once he got that goal, it's that moment of a player, a young player thinking, you know, I actually belong at this level. Like, I really do belong here now. And I think that with Archer, he's just waiting for that moment. I think once he gets one goal or one key assist or something like that, then I'm, like, confident that he can sort of, you know, um, like Ramsey, go up a level. Um, But for him to, at this stage, 
step in for Watkins if Watkins is out for a while. He's not ready for that yet. Um, you know, that's gonna that you know, Watkins is quite a lot older than me. And so it, it that that's that does concern me a little bit. Um, I and mean, there's Jon Duran as well, of course, <laughs> another young player developing. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, today with Villa, we've uh, we've draw, the draw, the Conference League playoff draw has been made between, and it'll be either the John McGinn Derby, as people are calling it, the Meatball Derby, Hibernian, or Lucerne uh, from uh, Switzerland. Um, you know, how do you feel about that? Is it must be quite exciting to see Villa back in Europe again? Yeah, yeah, I like 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 uh, a lot of fans around my age. My only real memory of Villa in Europe was the Mark Martin O'Neill years, where we didn't take it as as seriously as you know, a lot of us felt felt we should should have. Europe's a real opportunity for some silverware, and you know, competitions are are a crapshoot that we've. Just yet, just yesterday, saw in the women's World Cup, the you know the tournament favourites, the USA, have eleven shots saved, and all of a sudden they're out on pe- penalties. Uh, England, England, just today, just scraped by Nigeria team that really they should they should be beating quite quite handily, but on on the day on the day, anyone can come up with the right structure, the right. Have the right combination of abilities to really cause the pro- problems. That said, we've got the perfect manager to to see see us through that. And I think if you know, to me, if you get to the semi final of one or two of our cup competitions this this year, and you know, maintain maintain our our points tally in in the high fifties or push push into sixty, that to me is a successful se- successful season so many clubs struggle with the the change to becoming a european a european regular the thursday to su- sunday schedule is a- absolutely brutal you have a day day of recovery a day where you're going to sit in a lecture hall with Unai Emery for two two hours <laughs> as he talk talks de- details and <laughs> And then you've got to get yourself up for, you know, potentially a game against Luton Town, or, or if it's on the Thursday, you might be traveling to Slovenia. That's why it's been so important to add players in the transfer market who have this experience. You know, Pau Torres, Tielemans, and Diaby have all done that Thursday Sunday schedule. Really, really difficult. So if we can maintain, you know, our points tally in the league whilst pushing for one of those cup competitions. I really do think there's a great opportunity for the first silverware since, you know, before I can even remember, then that that is an extremely successful season to me. Mm, Completely. Uh, It definitely feels, um, you know, a level of excitement uh, with Villa and a, a sense of justifiable optimism. Uh, that I think us as Villa fans haven't been able to experience for such a long time. <laughs> it's a very nice feeling. It's, it's been a brutal few, few years. <laughs> yeah, completely. Um, been yeah high, mostly lows, and finally there's some highs. Uh, hopefully coming in the near future. But Daniel, it's been absolutely fa- fascinating listening to you and getting your perspective on uh, Aston Villa and 
you know, our tactics and some of the players and uh, what might be happening under Unai Emery. And, you know, for those who want to find your work online, where can we uh, find you? Thank you very much for having me on. It's been an absolute ple- pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. So most of, you know, you can find pretty much most of the stuff I do through Twitter. It's at 1874 Bridge. Um, I write for various outlets but we'll be in the coming weeks and months actually launching a sub a sub stack uh w methodology and it will act as a little sub supplemental to a lot of my written tactics and data pieces going a bit behind the process behind behind how how you build those pieces how you analyze teams so for for those that are interested in delving a bit deeper into into that side side of the game, uh, yeah, uh, please subscribe. Uh, you don't have to you don't have to play, pledge any money. I'm, I'm not that vain yet, um, and yeah, the, those are the major things I've got going on. But thank you for having me. No worries. It's been absolutely brilliant to talk to you. Thanks for coming on, Daniel. Cheers. <laughs>